Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Coming up on this episode, I'm joined by our football editor Mark Douglas as he answers some of your questions in a very special Q&A. We covered the future of Steve Bruce. What happens now, given that Mike Ashley is back head coach to turn things around? We also talked about formations, Graham Jones and the harmony within the club. And just in general, Newcastle United and what a mess it really is at the moment. So pop the kettle on, make yourself a brew, sit down and enjoy this one. And please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you get us from. Hello, welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, joined today by Mark Douglas. Mark, it's a few days after that defeat to Brighton. Um, what? How do you sum up what you watched and what's your view on the future of Steve Bruce? Well, I mean, what we watched was was a team sort of hit the nadir of their season, I think. You know, we had, a, a, you know, a... a Absolutely huge game, probably the biggest of the season um, in terms of everything that was at stake and the message that needed to be sent by those players about how they were playing and also by Steve Bruce because he's had so much criticism about his, you know, his ability to, to do this job. We needed to see a cogent plan, a, a system, um, uh, you know, a formation that was going to work, was going to be able to cope with Brighton. We saw none of it. It was the biggest... Um, failure I think I've seen of a group of players and more importantly a manager to respond to the pressure that they're under that I've ever seen as a Newcastle United reporter you know I've been here almost well over 10 years now 13 years um, I've seen some pretty low times some, some occasional good times as well but some pretty low times and that was the worst performance in terms of everything that was at stake it was just pitiful you know and it wasn't just the players because the players have to take something, you know, and, and they, they've kind of got off scot free a little bit because Steve Bruce has taken a lot of the um, a, lo- a lot of the criticism. But I think, you know, tactically, they were just totally and utterly outdone by uh, by Graham Potter, and it's everything that Newcastle fans have said they fear this season that their man is not fit for purpose in the Premier League. He's, if you like, a digital manager in a you know an analog manager, sorry, in a digital era. You can see. That there was no, that there didn't seem to be any um, way of combating what Brighton were doing at any point in that game. And you know, I'm still we're, we're we're almost a week on, and I'm still absolutely staggered that it was that bad. You know, it wasn't as if they had any period. I think it was maybe five minutes after the after the, the the end of the first half in which Newcastle sort of put, put on a little bit of pressure. But after that, you know, they, they conceded the second goal, and it could have been any number of goals. And this was a team that one place above them in the Premier League, so. I felt at that point Steve Bruce's position. I mean, to be honest with you, I felt Steve Bruce should have should have been relieved of his duties um, before then. You know, I've kind of kind of said that. I've probably not come out as strong as I did on Saturday, but I felt that his road is run um, for weeks. To be honest with you, because I just feel he's not getting a tune out of the players anymore. Before we would say, look, something is happening because every time they have a bad result, then they bounce back with a couple of good results, or they they at least dig in and do something. That's not been there for a long time. They've had two wins in 20 games. Six, you know, I mean, and, and what he's coming out with, the, the press conference statements, and you know, outlandish. And, you know, I, I just, my big worry is, that, you know, if the attention to detail in the team preparation is is like it is in some of the press conferences, then that's where my worry comes. He's saying we're through the worst of it. They've got six points from, or three points from, from a possible 15. That is his idea of good form. He keeps saying we've only lost to Chelsea and Manchester United in the last few weeks. They lost to Crystal Palace. Has he forgotten that game? That game was 
possibly the game that might end up relegating Newcastle United because if it had won that match, there'd be five points ahead with the game in hand. And I think we've said it before on one of the previous stream yards that, you know, I felt that that, that that was a game where Newcastle lost it. But, you know, I just think, you know, then you have the, the furore over the, the training schedule, which, you know, look, I think I've been, um, I've kind of been, a, a, as I said, done this for 13 years. And I don't think the training schedule is necessarily miles different from what other managers have put in. Maybe not what Rafa Benitez puts in. Um, at times, but, it's, but other managers do do that. It's the message it sends to the players as well. We've already seen once this season where um, they obviously they lost um, they lost uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Matt Ritchie was blamed. Sorry, well they didn't lose, sorry they drew with Wolves, but Matt Ritchie was blamed after the game for not getting the tactical instructions on pitch, and because they didn't go in on over the weekend because they didn't have that that period on Monday, that situation became more um more of a, a problem than it might have been because they, they it went two days and i just felt like this week in some form there should have been there should have been some message sent you know we, we know Rafa Pinto, when he first got the job had them all in on a day off to come in and work and it just felt like you know look at what point do you sort of say this is an emergency situation we need to get the players in we need to at least show something we need to at least show this bands that there's there's something going on there and maybe okay you don't get them out and doing a full session if the medical staff and the, the performance analysis are saying that it's not the right thing to do but to have that many days off at a period of nine you know I'm not an elite athlete I'm not I'm not a performance analyst I don't know whether it is the right thing to do or not but all I know is that some of the players there felt that they should have been in on on Monday or you know there should have been some form of analysis or some form of like message that was sent along to them instead it waited until Tuesday you know that is unfortunately what we're kind of, you know, we're picking on these little things. Well, they're not little things, maybe, because the big picture is the results aren't there. And he should have gone on on Sunday. He should have been gone on Sunday and they should have spent this week uh, bringing in a candidate or giving Graham Jones the chance to, to move on. Because his presence now, I think, is is a problem. It's a big problem for Newcastle because there's too many players in that dressing room, I think, who, who are unhappy with the situation. The fans are unhappy. The pressure is building. They need a new voice. They need somebody to come in and do things differently. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I still got a chance of staying up. Don't get me wrong. They could still limp over the line. But Steve Bruce's chances of being the man to take Newcastle United forward, I think, are now zero. And the big worry is whether his presence there is actually um, undermining the team in their relegation fight. We'll find out in the next few weeks. But, you know, you look at the next three games, Spurs is a tough one. But then they've got Burnley. Now, that is a game that really they need to get something out of. Um it, it, it's it's a heck of a worrying situation. And what I feel is like, I look at the fixes, I look at the situation they're in, they can get out of it. This is not a situation like it was with when they brought Rafa in. And I know that's been compared to like, that's what's going on in Mike Ashley's head. That, you know, that he's thinking, well, last time I brought Rafa in, it didn't make any difference. But you were in the bottom three. You were in trouble. You weren't, you didn't have the momentum to get yourselves out. You're out of the bottom three at the moment. You've got a game in hand on Fulham. It is there for you to stay up. Um, you can do it, you know, and now he's leaving it to chance by leaving it with Steve Bruce. Well, I think on the training issue, I would just get them in just to watch it, the DVD of the game, just something you can't leave it to kind of simmer away for a few days. And I think when Steve Bruce what... says something like, you know, it's been planned, but then you adapt, you know, yes, it might have been planned weeks ago, but you weren't in the position, you know, you're in in the present day. So, yeah, I can see the frustrations there. Um, what do you make of you know, Mike Ashley back and Steve Bruce talk of reward and loyalty. And what do you think is meant by that? 
Well, I mean, the rewarding loyalty thing is one of those messages, isn't it? That, that, that you know, the, the people who do Mike Ashley's sort of PR at Newcastle United that kind of put out there. It's it's it sounds good. It's probably for an external audience rather than a, a northeast audience, really, because I think there is there's always, in my opinion, two two kind of different narratives going on at Newcastle United. One, and I think this unfortunately is the one that I think they care more about at Newcastle at times is the message that goes out to the wider public, which is, you know, look, these people up here, these Geordies, the, the local media, the the kind of like the, the, the kind of mad expectation around here, we can never satisfy that. You know, we, we, we want to be judged by people who are kind of, you know, aren't um, aren't kind of ensconced in what's going on in the Northeast because they're the ones who give us a fair hearing. So that's why you see a lot of national journalists or a lot of people who aren't necessarily um, covering Newcastle United every day, maybe sometimes given audiences um, with Mike Ashley or things like that, that, where they get to, you know, they, they get to sort of ask the questions and, and almost portray it as, you know, I mean, a, a famous Martin Samuel piece where it was all about like Mike Ashley's a dreamer and all this kind of you know, stuff that you know, just was nonsense, just didn't bear any relation to what we've seen at Newcastle United. That, I think the loyalty line is for that, audience it's for that audience it's like yeah you know i can see where you're coming from um rafa left them you know those geordies they won't they won't they don't listen to um you know they, they want they want top four they want the champions league we see that kind of thing and i think that's what that that's what that message was for it was for that audience for a northeast audience who uh the newcastle fans who actually watch the team the very notion that steve bruce is being rewarded for his loyalty is absolutely nonsense steve bruce came in to do this job because it was a fantastic opportunity for him it was a premier league job at a club where he you know he'd wanted the job before you know there's no loyalty there he, he took the job because it was a fantastic opportunity for him and for a year he fulfilled the remit and we gave him credit for that we, we, we sat here and said you know fair play to him he's done a good job but at the same time now we look at it and we say his race is run because the team are getting worse. They're in relegation trouble. It's a decent squad, in my opinion. It's, a, it's not a top half squad necessarily. It's definitely not a bottom three squad. So why is he? What's the idea of loyalty? You know, you had. Um, if you're talking about loyalty, you talk about Chris Hughton who came in and did the job, um, and you know was sacked quite early on. They made the decision to make a decisive change, and I think actually, looking back, with how Alan Pardew did in that second season, it was actually not a bad choice. You know, I think even if you go back to Alan Pardew. Yeah, I understood why they did the, some of the stuff with the loyalty because he just, Alan Pardew soaked up the pressure that was meant for them. So the idea that Steve Bruce is the kind of, you know, he's, he's rewarded for his loyalty is nonsense. It's not about loyalty. It's not about personal feelings towards people. You know, Steve Bruce is, you know, I, I don't know Steve Bruce particularly well, but, but you know, he's, you know, a lot of people say they, they, they really like him and he's a good, he's a good bloke, but it's not about that. It's not about your personal feelings towards somebody. Um you know, it, it's about the performance in the job. And I think he's probably had longer than any other Premier League manager would have got in his position with the resources that he's got. I understood at the start that the argument about COVID and the massive impact that had on the team made sense. But the idea of loyalty is just its just nonsense. I think what I don't like is um, it, there's been no communication from Newcastle. That, you know, if they're going to help him, why isn't somebody coming out this week and and sort of backing him and saying why they why they should do it. Instead, they're being silent. They're leaving people to kind. Of, they're leaving this whole storm to swirl around him without helping him at all. And they say they're helping him by keeping him in the job. Actually, sometimes it's counterproductive to do that because what you're doing is leaving him, and you're leaving him to soak up all the criticism and all the pressure. And you know, players haven't really come out and talked talk to him. I, I think 
my understanding is that Newcastle kind of wanted other players to come out and talk, but but maybe they're not talking because they don't want to say what the club want them to say. They're feeling probably amongst a lot of people in that Newcastle dressing room as well. You know, manager can talk about it. He's, he's, he's mentioned enough, you know, it feels to me sometimes like the manager, you know, he, he gets his excuses in sometimes after the match. He, he says that we're not going to make excuses, but then there's like, Carl Darley should have done this, you know, uh, Matt Ritchie should have done this. And I think he, he probably knows he made a mistake the other week with that. Um, but it's just nonsense. Mike Ashley doesn't do loyalty. Mike Ashley does pointing people who cause him the minimum of resistance and then keeping them in the job um, for a prolonged period of time because he feels that that's probably the right way to do it. And you you weather the storms because you believe you've got the right man for the job. And, you know, that I feel is what is what he's doing. You know, I think it was it who said a few weeks, a few days ago, I can't remember, I, I heard it somewhere that, um, you know, all the football experience, the football expertise left because Alex Hurst actually said left the building and Rafa Benitez left and you know I'm not sure it's all of the football expertise but, but certainly you know the, the, he was the man who knew the most about creating a successful football team and the things that needed to be done because you know Lee Charney has been proven I think time and time again that he doesn't make the right decisions on, on football matters. You know, Mitchell Linton look at that how they let Rafa Benitez go when you know the money that they've spent since then they could have spent on on Rafa and giving him the new contract or, um, you know, backing him in the transfer market. And instead, they've done what they've done. They believe that they were the right, they were in the right. They said that in that summer. They thought that we'll we'll bounce back and we'll do the right things. And they've done the wrong things, top, top bottom of it. Um, they're in another relegation fight. I think this is the third of the, or fourth of the, the time that Lee Charney's been in, in charge. It's the fifth of the Mike Ashley era. I think it's the third of the Lee Charney's, the fifth of the Mike Ashley era. They've been relegated twice in that time and they could get relegated the third time. I just don't understand what it would take for them to understand that they need, you know, that sometimes the idea that they're in the right and everybody else is in the wrong when there's pressures on is just rubbish. It's just not right. You know, you don't you don't dig in just to prove people wrong. You have to take the right decision for the football club. Um, and it just doesn't feel like they've learned any of the lessons from 2015. You know, certainly a little bit worrying looking back at what happened in the previous years they were relegated. Uh, we'll dive into some of the, the questions now for you, Mark. We've got one from Paul Oxley here, and he says, do you think Bruce could possibly still leave before the Spurs comes around? No, I don't think so now. I think, you know, I, I think Sunday was a very deliberate message. Um, I will say this for, for, for them. I think that was, if they were going to back Bruce, it was probably the right thing to do to do it on Sunday. And, and kind of nicks all the speculation you know i've got a bit in the um, in the notebook tomorrow about about kind of you know what happened and, and what's going on on the sunday uh, and why the decision was reached so quickly but uh, but um i just don't think it's i don't think there's any chance of it no because i think they haven't sourced as far as i'm aware they haven't sourced any alternative um i think it's pretty clear that if they did decide to get rid of steve bruce then graham jones would at least be in caretaker charge they've already got his replacement there i think um, and I think he'd probably get to the end of the season um, mm -hmm. if things if things went went well. But I just don't think I just don't think there's any chance of them getting rid of him now. Um, between now and Spurs, anyway. Again, you look at the um, you look at the situation um, if they lose to Spurs, and um, even then, you know, he could still survive that as well because they'll say, well, that's a difficult game, etc., etc., etc. You know, he might not have Alan Maximum and Callum Wilson there, and. He needs to he needs to get something from the next two games, I think. Otherwise, they are going to be in trouble because you look at Fulham's matches in the same period, and you sort of think 
they are going to pick something up. Um, so I don't think he's going to go before Spurs. Um, will he still be there at the end of the season? Um, very much depends on results because I think even though Brighton was a massive chance for them to get rid of him and, and, and move on, I still think that, that you know that, that there will be some worried, worried faces in there. And I know Mike Ashley's <coughs> digging in and looking like he's the right one, but there might come a point at which if they go into the bottom three, then they do start to panic a little. Got a question here from Graham Townsley over on our YouTube channel. He says, "Do you think Bruce and Jones are working together and singing from the same hymn sheet?" Or do you think the messages to the players are, are, are different and a bit confusing and not working as one? I mean, the commentator on Friday, uh, Saturday for the Brighton game, the co-commentator, sorry, I can't remember the chap's name, but he made the point that there was four coaches on the touchline at one point when Graham uh, Jones came down from the stand. And he said, that that can't be good. You know, how can mm. you have four people and one message? So that plays nicely into Graham's question there for you, Mark. I think it was Efren Akuku, wasn't it? Um, yeah. He was, he was actually really, he was actually really good. Um, I've not heard him too much on Sky. Actually, he was, he was very. Uh, I thought he was, really, I thought he was really good. Um, it was nice to hear a different kind of different voice. And, and like you said, looking in from the outside, we've all felt that you know the number of coaches that they've got, um, and and especially I think it's such a weird dynamic between Bruce and Jones. You know, you've, you know, we saw it the other week when there was a kind of, you know, I think there was a little exchange wasn't there between Bruce and Jones that was caught on camera where Bruce was kind of like a little bit dismissive of Jones. Um, I think it must be difficult in some ways for, for Jones to be in there because, you know, as much as the noises from the, the everybody officially are that, you know, this is a harmonious relationship, it must be pretty clear to Bruce that Jones is in there. He's been brought in there because things aren't going well. So, you know, I think it's pretty clear that the Jones that the Jones has had an influence on tactics and an influence on the system. Um, Bruce is still picking the players. Bruce has the ultimate, the ultimate um, final say. But there's no doubt in my mind that Jones is kind of now um, starting to to do quite a lot of the tactical stuff um, there as well. I mean, they're the singing from the same hymn sheet. I mean, yes, because of the ultimately, I suppose Bruce is the number one voice and he takes the big calls and he makes the big decisions. But um, a very strange dynamic. I've never known. I've never known a manager um, have somebody come in midway through the season. Then there's a massive change in tactics, a massive change in the system, um, and but you've still got the manager who's ostensibly the man, you know, responsible for the system and, and for the players and, and these kind of things. Then having to kind of carry out what is somebody else's tactical plans. It's bizarre. It's another bizarre, bizarre moment in, in, in the season. And um, it plays into the idea that Bruce tactically, you know, maybe isn't the most advanced coach in the Premier League. Um, and if that's the case, you, know, you sort of question what, what he's doing there. And, and, and if we're talking about, you know, one of the big things that he had, I mean, I, I always talk about him being you know, a bit more of an intuitive manager. He can react, you know, gets on well with the players. But then you've got what happened the other week with Matt Ritchie, you know, and I know he says that that is, it happens all the time and you know we keep hearing that it happens all the time it was just one of these things it was a row um it's quite a big one that i think it was a big one and the fact that it got out suggests that there's a you know problems there i mean i'm sure matt ritchie you know let's put it this way i didn't i didn't ever hear of anything like that happening with benitez anybody challenging benitez's authority in that way 
Um, you know, I know that there were, you know, I know that there were definitely, it wasn't, it wasn't it always, you know, I don't think any football club is always a happy camp, especially when you're losing games and there's always grumblings about the manager and things like that. But that was that in that technique, but that vivid to happen definitely said, suggested to me that there were, there were, there were greater problems. You know, they'll probably say, well, you know, it happens all the time, but, um, I'm not so sure. And then when you've got Jones in there, it, it, it just, you know, it looks to me like a ready-made replacement for groups and he must know that as well. But that would be typical Newcastle United as well, though, wouldn't it? And no disrespect to Graham Jones, but, you know, he's come in as a coach. He didn't oh. have success at Luton. And it, it would be kind of typical Newcastle United and Mike Ashley that someone with that success would then get the top job at Newcastle United. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because not recently, but the managers that they've gone for, um, it's been a weird bunch, really, because... You know, you've got Rafa there and 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 that was a world-class manager. But then forget they also brought Alan Shearer in. Um, they also brought Kevin Keegan back. Um, I think when Lee Charney's been here, it's been a little bit more um it's been a little bit more of a type, hasn't it? It's been Steve McLaren. Um, they hung on to, you know, obviously John Carver was there, Pardew. It, it's it's been very strange. And I think in their heart of hearts, they would love to have director of football um who you know did most of the recruiting you know a kind of somebody behind the scenes who was going to recruit the way that Mike Ashley wanted to be recruited they would have a head coach but when they did that it didn't work so they had to kind of scrap it because Rafa didn't want that way and then they didn't feel it would be conducive to help to help Bruce and then of course Bruce in the summer gets his all the players that he wants um and then still ends up being 17th in the league so I think the message here is, you know, you say it's like it'd be typical Newcastle. Go out and get the best people. It doesn't matter what their opinion is. Go out and get the best people that you can afford in every position at the football club. Do a proper, extensive due diligence on it. Don't just bring somebody in because they're going to agree with you on transfers or they're going to be cheap or they're going to not complain about all the other things around the football club. Go out and get the best person that you can and support them and, um, you know, have them aligned to your philosophy. But the problem is when Mike Ashley's there and the people that he has running the football club, you're Justin Barnes of this world, you know, you're Charnley's of this world, you're not going to get the best people because they're not, they're, they're, you know, a lot of them, like Rafa, are going to come in and get frustrated at the fact that there's a ceiling that Newcastle can get to when you're, when you're, when you're, um, when you're doing this. Or... Alternatively, you're gonna you're gonna end up with kind of guys like Bruce, who are incredibly grateful for for the opportunity at such a massive um, Premier League club. Graham Jones, you know, for me, I don't know the guy that well. Um, he was obviously very. Um, he was now he was obviously incredibly well uh, highly regarded at Belgium. So you know, I, I think there's something to be said for it. But then, if you have Graham Jones in, then you need people around him, a director of football. You know, you need to give him. The tools to do the job. I mean, that was the problem when they, when they were going to appoint Carver when when he sort of had that interim spell. It was like, you know, you, you've got no chance if you're not a popular appointment. If you're not somebody that the fans want, if you're not, you know, we we can see we, the people in Newcastle know for basically right, and they can see if somebody is the right fit for their football club and what they aspire their football, what their what their aspirations for their football club to be, and that's why. Um, they didn't really have Bruce at the start because his record suggested exactly what has happened now. That's why they wanted Rafa Benitez in, because his record suggested progression, which is what we got. 
Um, and, you know, like you said, Graham Jones, is he, would he be a long-term answer? Well, you know, we'd see, but like you said, it wouldn't be the most ambitious appointment in the world, would it? I mean, somebody like Eddie Howe, for me, would be, you know, a good fit, young coach. I know he didn't have, I know, I know he got relegated with Bournemouth in the end, but plays, plays some good football, tried, you know, tried, got Bournemouth to high. I mean, that would be somebody that I would think would be, you know, a really, really good appointment. Um, or, you know, Giovanni Bronkhurst, who looked at the job, uh, wanted the job before, you know, again, somebody a little bit different, a little bit with fresh ideas. We don't just want the same people, you know, who've, who've they've, got, they've, they've got, they've got a level, haven't they? Um, and that's, sounds terrible, but but that's true, Steve Bruce. He's, the level that, that he got last season was just about the high watermark of where he was going to take Newcastle United. Um, and then when we had the problems that we've had this season, it's reverted to, um, it's reverted to type and they're struggling and they're struggling badly. There's a, a couple of comments about tactics and formations. We'll take Roger Cook's question here. He says the Darren formation worked well with the three fitting forwards, so Miron, St. Maxman, and of course Wilson. But now, you know, there's, it's not working, and no one's fitting into the plan. He's saying, "Well, why hasn't it been changed yet?" And I'm of that opinion as well. It's been frustrating, frustrating to watch Ryan Fraser be placed into a central role. It's been frustrating to watch Dwight Gale placed out on what is effectively, you know, out on the wing. Why do you think Newcastle haven't changed it? And are they? Is it a case that they're just trying to limp on through until they get back? You know, Callum Wilson to fit into that role, which he played so well before his injury. Do you think? I think Steve Bruce saw that system changed the way that Newcastle played, and they did have a period. Let's not forget. You know, I mean, look, obviously, we're talking here as if, you know, as as if it's um, as if this little period where they did have an improvement didn't happen, and it did. You know, they played really well at Everton. They did. Um, they played well against Palace as well, but lost the game. Then um, they did beat Southampton, you know, and looked really strong until they they got the, the injuries. And, you know, they obviously lost. Um, uh, they had, had a man sent off as well. So that's what will be in his thinking. And, I mean, to be fair to him as well, you know, you had Benitez um, two seasons, three seasons ago, said when you've got a method that you believe in, stick with it. However, they've changed so many times this season that I don't think it would have made sense. It would have necessarily been the worst thing in the world for them to change things up a little bit at Brighton um, or against um, or against Villa. You know, you've got Carroll, Gale. They should have changed it, shouldn't they? I mean, I, I totally agree with you on that one. They didn't have the players. I mean, Jalinton, look, I, I know he splits opinion. But the guy is just not good enough for this for this level. He's not good enough to play in that system he's got one i think you know he, he looked okay when he was sort of playing alongside um callum wilson in that sort of support role um but you know the team generally weren't doing that well so why he's gone in why he's in ahead of andy carroll and ahead of dwight gale i don't know and when you hear steve bruce talk about it and just say well it's, it's a system that worked it's just very strange indeed and it clearly hasn't worked because they lost the game um, against Brighton in, in such a, a poor manner. And they should have, you know, they were, let's not forget, they were terrible against West Brom. Poor against Wolves for second half and really poor against Villa as well for the most part. So, you know, like you said, if they've not got the three players, if they've got those three players and they're all fully fit, it's a system I think that kind of was working for them. But if they've not, then it's not. Do, do Newcastle need all three back? to improve or do you see I mean obviously they had Mickey back for Brighton but again he's he probably wasn't fully fit match fitness wise so is it a case that one 
and you'll see an improvement, or is it two, three? I mean, how would you foresee it working? Is it all three are needed back to make it all click into place again? I think so, yeah. Um, Ryan Fraser, I've been disappointed with Fraser, really. He's you know, good, clearly a really good player, um, but just hasn't hasn't happened for him. I don't think he's had a I think he's had a run of games, but he's also not had you know, he's also not not had a position that he can really call his own either. So, you know, I just thought playing him through the middle at Brighton, I just it didn't work, did it? It didn't work. That's the top and bottom of it. You do need all three, I think. Um, you know, I would pay I, I think I think Almiron, if he's fit for the um the Spurs game is a massive, you know, it, you basically, he was the one kind of keeping them firing. His energy, his work rate was was absolutely, you know, was absolutely critical. And he played in a kind of like number 10 role, didn't he, really, when he um, uh, when he was at his best. Um, so I would, you know, I would I would say that he's he's really an important person in, in this uh, in this formation. If Callum Wilson's back, then I think, and, and if Alan Maximan is fit as well, go with the three. Um, they've got another week. They're not going to be fully match fit, probably, but I think hopefully all three of them should be available um, after the international break, and that will give Newcastle a chance. That will give Newcastle a chance against Tottenham. It'll give them a chance against Burnley. Um, and if they've, you know, and that is that's the hope. That's where we are. You know that that's the hope. They come back and they are as good as they were when they uh, when they got injured. Because if they're not, I can't see Newcastle winning um, too many games between now and the end of the season with this manager in charge. Uh, a question here from Tony Milner. He says it's very unlikely Steve Bruce will be sent packing, but if he was, is there a name? Is there a person you would choose to replace? I know Chris Wilde has been been linked. I'm not overly enthused by that um, personally, but anyone that would spring into your head, Mark, to replace Steve Bruce if he got well, the sack? Well, if we're in fantasy land, um, obviously, you know, I would love to see Benitez back because that was because he was taking Newcastle in, in the direction and you'd feel uh, you'd feel like confident with him in charge that things could move forward. But, uh, but I don't think that'll ever happen under Mike Ashley. I don't think either party would really entertain it, um, despite what some of the more sort of bizarre things that were said a few weeks ago about that. Um, Eddie Howe would be the one for me. Um, you know, I know uh, Bruce kind of mocked it, didn't he, the other week, the fellow who got Bournemouth relegated, he... he um, he said. He said about him. I don't know whether he was calling him out or maybe calling out reporting out more on that one. To be fair to him, um, but I, you know, I think he's you know a good good young coach. Was mentioned in in dispatches with a few. Uh, but he's not that young anymore. He's, he's been around the block a, bit, a fair bit, but he's he's still for me. You know, he's got a good football philosophy. He knows his stuff. Uh, you know, a, a kind of whole um, club man as well. You know, he'll get himself involved in. In um, you know, in, in sort of improving things, the academy and and um, you know, he's a bright, fluent kind of like you know, a modern coach, if you will. And and I think you know, I think he would be the one that I would say would lead a rebuild. You know, I'd love to see even if they go down, somebody like that to come in and kind of lead a rebuild. You know, it doesn't have to be this way. This is the point I'm trying to make. You know, under Ashley, I don't think Newcastle are ever going to be challenging in the top half, but they can be more than what they are at the moment. You know, if they get somebody in who's a bright kind of coach who can take people with him, um, they can get some people back on board. I don't think there's, you know, I think there's loads of people who, who probably are finished with the football club uh, in its current form because of all the mistakes that have been made. But if they get the right manager in, um, people will pay a lot more attention and be a lot more enthused by things. There's, a, there's the makings of a decent squad there. Um, it's just not that they just haven't got the right manager at the moment. And um, 
you know that for me too much water's gone the bridge hasn't it with press the fans big sections of the dressing room um the results you know i i don't know i mean i keep coming back to it and i always look at it and think when a manager's in place surely the football club thinks this is the man who you know if we get out of trouble he can take us to the next step that we need to be at you know if you've got um say chris like chris wilder situation perfect example this is sheffield united that it doesn't work and to be fair to him both parties understood that's not going to work because we don't have any faith in you anymore and you don't have any faith in us anymore and it's like that yeah in some cases a break is the right way to go whereas yeah, Eddie Howe, the same thing happened at Bournemouth. He went, he went down and it was like, okay, we don't think you're now the right man to take us forward. In what circumstances do Newcastle United think Steve Bruce gets to the end of the season, he keeps us up? Next season, what happens? Is he going to be the man to take them into the top 10, get them a cop run, develop players, you know, do the recruitment right? Because they're not going to have a lot of money to spend in the summer, even if they stay in the Premier League. So the job of the Newcastle United manager is going to be to improve the players that he's got, get the right players in on a limited budget and basically make the team better than the sum of its parts. The question for you, if you're a Newcastle United's owner and managing director is, is Steve Bruce the right man to do that? What evidence have you seen to prove that he's the right man to do that? And there is none this season because the team have got worse, even though they've got better players this season than they had last season. They've got worse. That leads us nicely into our penultimate question here from Toby. And he says, if we stay up and we're being realistic, no takeover, Bruce stays for the for the final year, what can we realistically expect from next season? Um, I would say probably more of the same if we're lucky, maybe you know, a mid-table finish like last season. But for me, I don't think I, I think if he's in I think if Steve Bruce remains in charge and Newcastle survive and then the fans are allowed back in. It will literally take one, two games at most, two bad performances until things start to turn. And when the fans are at St James's Park, we've we've seen before in the previous managers just how volatile that situation can be. And I'm not sure that would be good for anybody, um, especially Bruce, to to try and hold on to the job in that situation. We've got a precedent from recent history, haven't we? Alan Pardew ended the season um, a couple of years. Well, it was. It was a while ago now, wasn't it? Where um, obviously they played against Cardiff, didn't they? And he's every movement out of the dugout was was booed. And what Newcastle did that summer was go away and give him um, the players. Though they felt that you know they they they'd back him with with a few players that to, 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 to Newcastle were able to then um, go ahead and, and and really go for it the next season. And uh, to be fair to Pardew, what I always thought with Pardew, you know, although by the end I think we all felt it was the right time, including the manager himself, because he he ended up quitting. Um, he did, he did have a habit of kind of, you know, he liked being up against it, didn't he? Because he just sort of came back uh, and, and, and pulled off a few results. And I think that would be the best case scenario. The very best case scenario is that he comes in, that Bruce gets, uh, keeps them up, gets a few players in who, you know, who, who could really take the club forward. And that's actually what I think happened this summer was that he got two or three players who they felt this could take us forward, you know, Fraser and... Wilson should have given them more attacking options. Um, Lewis, obviously, you know, as, as well. I let's not write Jamal Lewis off yet. I know he's been, he's not had the best season so far, but give him a chance. Um, he needs to work with Alan Samaxman, who's an unorthodox left back. 
that's the best case scenario that they go and kind of do that and then he does he he proves people wrong on pardue-esque situation but i think the worst case scenario is another relegation battle um and like you said i don't think there's any coming back from this you know relationships with fans are broken the local media it's you know the problem is once you've kind of started you know down that road of saying high expectations up here and you know kind of making the wrong calls it's very difficult to kind of get out of it um i don't think anybody i've ever known has said as many things to annoy the newcastle fans as steve bruce has um you know part you kind of did do did do it to an extent but i don't know how it can be a positive scenario which is why i think it comes to the point where it makes sense to, to get rid and change the manager and I, you know it's not nice to talk about anybody losing their job you know even though he's well-paid football manager it's it's not nice and i think you know when i when i tweeted what i tweeted on saturday a lot of fans said um about time and all that but you don't do it with any you don't do it lightly 100 you never call for a matter i think i probably only ever called for like two managers to go carver after they lost to leicester um i wrote a piece saying he had to go and then bruce on Saturday. I, I don't think I ever really even do with Pardew, although I think, you know, we kind of got to the point where it, it, it probably did. Um, no other managers. And that's, that's, you know, a reflection of how bad things have got. I just think so many relationships are broken now. It's not just those, it's, you know, they, because they haven't got a lot of money, they can't change the dressing room dynamic massively. Um, they can't get rid of all the players who are kind of frustrated at the moment. Um, you can't bring in players who are kind of loyal to him because they won't they aren't going to have a massive amount of money so what do you do you really have to make a change and if it doesn't happen now it's going to happen in the summer i think one way or another final question then there's been a few in the comments asking about um is mike actually doing this on purpose and it's linked to the takeover they go down it's easier to pass through i don't think that's the case but I think the better way to word the final question would be is why is he taking such a gamble? Because, you know, relegation is it would be a huge blow to Newcastle United in terms of money. You know, you'd probably lose most of your star players and, and the ones who stay are reportedly not on, haven't got relegation clauses in their contract to reduce the wages. So why is Mike actually taking such a huge gamble here? Well, one, I think he thinks he's right. Um, two... He thinks he thinks he's right because he thinks previously when he's changed managers it's not worked out. Two, he doesn't care about public opinion on hindsight. Never has. Certainly hasn't since very early on. And if in if in anything when people uh, if anything sorry when people call for the manager to go, it actually redoubles their resolve at Newcastle to actually do the opposite. They quite like the idea that they go against the grain and. You know, they'll feel if they get to the end of the season and they stay up and they've proved everybody wrong. I think that'd be a pathetic way to look at it, to be perfectly honest, given that, you know, this team should never have been in a battle um, at the bottom. Um, and that's the reasons why he just thinks he's right. I think there'll be reasons they'll be looking at the, the bottom line. They won't want to um, pay for um, the, the compensation for Steve Bruce. They won't want to pay however much it costs to get a new manager in, you know, they won't want to do that. They definitely won't. And they've just taken that gamble. They've, they've worked out that it's better to give this manager a chance. You know, he feels that he's got the experience. You bear in mind, Mike Ashley hasn't been in the country for a large period of the last 12 months. Um, he hasn't seen the team play. He's not involved 
this has always been the weird power dynamic at Newcastle United has been that Mike Ashley is the man who ultimately makes the decisions and gets involved at times and doesn't get involved at other times. And it creates a dysfunction, I think, at Newcastle United of decision making. Nobody is empowered to make the decision um, properly because it always has to go through Mike Ashley. Now, look, I'm aware of the fact that other clubs who have owners, it will be a similar thing where maybe some of those owners have to um, sign off those decisions. But generally speaking, they will, they will have people on, on the ground who will, who will step in and make a decision. But they just don't. we just don't have that in Newcastle. We have a guy called Justin Barnes who nobody really knows what he does how his you know how much power he has i mean the club always says he's a sounding board making decisions but i'm not sure about that at all i think he's the man with ultimately who has who has responsibility for the running of the football club alongside lee charnley um it's just a mess it's always been a mess it needs somebody it needs a total new uh new ownership group it needs people in there and i think part of the problem is that I don't think that the people involved in the football club right now were expecting to be in charge this season. And they've had to instead go through the whole cycle of running a football club, having all these big decisions to make when they didn't think they were going to have to make those decisions. Um, and it's created the problem. But ultimately, if they'd have acted earlier with Steve Bruce, I don't think they would have been in the, in the situation they're in. And if they couldn't see the alarm bells ringing after the, Brentford, Sheffield United results, and what went even went before then, then you know, they you know it was inevitable that this was going to happen.